Welcome to this special episode of Appearance Matters, the podcast, the brand new appearance podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to how we look. We are very excited to announce that Professor Nicola Rumsey, one of our co-directors at the Centre for Appearance Research, was awarded an OBE in the 2016 New Year's Honours List for her services to people affected by an altered appearance. We thought then uh, this would be the perfect time to hear more from Nikki about her career and her research. I'm Nadia. And I'm Nicola. And this is our Professor Nicola Rumsey OBE bonus episode. Before we speak to Nikki, we thought it would be an idea to explain what an OBE is, especially for our international listeners. Right. Um, So an OBE, which stands for Officer of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, is a Queen's Honour given to an individual for a major role in any activity, such as business, charity or the public sector. So we did a little bit of research to find out more. It turns out that orders of the British Empire were created by King George V during World War I to reward services to the war effort by civilians at home and servicemen in support positions. Today they are very prestigious awards given to those making distinguished or notable contributions in their own specific areas of activity. Nominations are made once a year and UK nationals or citizens from the 15 Commonwealth nations, such as Australia, Canada and Jamaica, um, can be nominated for an honour. In short, this is an outstanding achievement. Right, let's now introduce Nikki. So following the completion of her PhD entitled Psychological Problems Associated with Facial Disfigurement in 1983, Professor Nicola Rumsey has built an international reputation for her research in this field and has attracted over £7 million of funding to support research on appearance. Nikki is a mentor to many of us at the Centre for Appearance Research and has certainly been an important role model at the start of my career. Hi Nikki, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today and congratulations again on being awarded the OBE. Such a massive achievement and um, such a well-deserved recognition of all your hard work. I'd like to start by maybe talking about the beginning of your career, so how you came to to research appearance in the first place. (laughs) Well, thank you very much to start with for the congratulations. Maybe we'll talk more about that in a minute, but Uh I did my undergraduate degree at Exeter um, and I did psychology only because... Um, when I had my sixth form chat with the headmistress at school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And she said, well, well, Nicola, you're quite good with people. Have you ever thought about psychology? Um, and I remember wondering what psychology was. And I went and looked it up in a dictionary and thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll do that. And when I was at Exeter, um, there was lots of research coming from the States at that time to argue that physically attractive people were a huge advantage in social interaction Mm -hmm. and in terms of helping behavior and all that kind of thing and I remember being a bit uncomfortable about that at the time and thinking it has to be more than that has to be more complicated so when I got to the end of my degree I I got offered the chance to do a PhD and I'd never thought about being an academic or or doing a PhD at all Mm -hmm. but then I was told that the topic of the PhD was about um, disfigurement and I remember being completely hooked immediately because I thought this is it this is the answer I really really want to understand how it is for people who look different from the norm how they function in a world that's supposed to be 
advantageous for people who are attractive. So that's what got me in. And I've been meaning to change track ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kept me completely hooked all the time. Great, that's, um, that's so cool. Okay, so you're a role model to so many people here at CAR. And so I was wondering if you had any, or if there have been any important role models throughout your career. <laughs> well, the first thing is to say thank you, because I hadn't really thought about being a role model. But yeah, I guess there are, there are a couple of people. Um, the first one was also at Exeter when I was an undergraduate. I had this lovely tutor called Ian Gordon in my first year. He was a very tall, great big bear of a man. And he was just enthusiastic about everything. He was just a lovely, smiley, enthusiastic guy. And the example I, I remember the most was that we would all gather for a tutorial in his office um, and he had a fish tank full of goldfish and they were being conditioned in a very Skinnerian way to um, to press a bar and uh, get a food pellet. And we all used to gather around this goldfish okay. thing and Ian Gordon was enthusing about, you know, yeah. how how behavior can be shaped by you know by very simple ways and we all sit there for about 10 minutes waiting for the goldfish and then you know when it eventually hit the hit the the um, the little bar and got its food pellet we all erupt into huge cheers but i think he taught me that if you're enthusiastic about a topic it's the best motivator and so i i think i've probably tried hard to maintain my enthusiasm for certainly for appearance research which hasn't been difficult but also for psychology more more broadly and I think the second person that comes to mind is someone called Ingrid Lunt, who is one of the presidents of the British Psychological Society. And I didn't really get involved with the BPS early on in my career, but when I did, she she was the president then. And she was fighting very hard to break down all the barriers between the different divisions, so counselling and uh, clinical and mm -hmm. social psychology. And I remember thinking that they are very arbitrary divisions, and um, I love the fact that she was brave enough to stand up and just say this is crazy we should be making things easier for people to transfer and that ability to stand up and voice a controversial opinion when it seems like a good solution to a complex problem is something that I've tried to emulate since. Okay great thank you. Next question is what do you enjoy most about your work? <laughs> That's an easy question to answer so two reasons the first reason is I still care very passionately about the kind of challenges that people with an unusual appearance meet so that and that's been very enduring but the other aspect about my work that I really love is the people I work with here and CAR seems to attract hard-working committed buzzy energetic and very fun people and um, whenever the going gets tough or the admin load gets too much I just have to walk into the CAR main office and uh, I feel better immediately. Great. And I work in that main office, so it's exactly. uh, so much fun. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna we're gonna come to the OBE very shortly, but my next question is that aside from the OBE, what's been your proudest moment in your career to date? That's a harder question. I think the if I were to pick one thing, I would pick being elected as um, president of the Craniofacial Society of Great Britain and Ireland, which is a, quite a mouthful. But this um, is a professional group of people from drawn from lots of different healthcare professions that look after people affected by a cleft palate um, or a cleft lip. And they have a professional society and they elect someone every, every year to be the, the president. And I was elected some years ago, but I was the first psychologist to be elected. And that, to me, that was a huge honour and a kind of recognition really that they'd accepted that psychology was a key part of adjustment to cleft. 
So I think that's probably the moment I'd pick. Okay, so now we get to talk about the OBE. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Nick and I did a little bit of research and found out that to be awarded an OBE, you need to be nominated, and then um, nominees then require several like peers and colleagues to write kind of quite detailed supporting statements. So, did you have like, any idea that this was happening, or was it a complete surprise? It was a complete surprise. It was a, a, a huge surprise, so very lovely. Um, since then, I've discovered, like you, more about the process because mm-hmm. I didn't know much about it before. Um, and I've also um, uncovered that um, Di Holcourt was at the uh, the centre of the nomination oh, really? process. Yep. So she initiated and, and also suggested to um, quite a lot of other people that they might write nominations as well, um, mm-hmm. which, they, which they did. But, but it was um, a few years ago, and I think Di thought that probably it wasn't going to be ha- happening. Um, oh, so really? um, it was really lovely to discover all of that uh-huh. and then to share with her um, huge, you know, kind of uh, thanks and, and appreciation for, mm-hmm. the, for the nominations. Oh, wow. Okay. And how, how did you come about finding out? <laughs> well, there I was on a, on a December morning thinking, um, well, I really should empty the post box, which I don't do very often because right. um, it's usually full of flyers for pizzas and double closing. Uh-huh. Um, and it had been raining and uh, all the mail was soggy. But in amongst all the flyers was this little letter that said um, cabinet office on the outside. I didn't really think anything of it. I thought it was just some um, new scam trying to sell me insurance you know, with some, <laughs> some royal crest on the outside. But when I opened it, it was full of very long words and, um, and words like humble and obedient servant and uh, prime minister and queen. Um, so I, I read it and didn't really quite believe what, what it said. So I rang my husband. He was on his way home from, uh, from work and he said, well, read me the letter. So I did read it, and as I read it, it made more sense. And uh, then there was a pause at the other end of the line, <laughs> and uh, he swore <laughs> and said, oh, my goodness, I think you've been nominated for an OBE. Um, and, you know, it's been successful. So wow. it was it was, it was that. It was great. Really. Right, yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. And then um, how have you or how do you intend, how have you been <laughs> celebrating well, um, when a letter comes, it tells you in um, in bold and underlined that it's in strictest confidence. So my husband and I tried to keep it quiet for a while. It was uh-huh. pretty difficult. But then, just before Christmas, we had a, uh, a meal with both the sons and their and my new di- our new daughter-in-laws, mm-hmm. um, and it seemed the right moment to tell them. So we were having a, a, a lovely dinner and um, told them about halfway through. So. Um, at that point, we, we were all a couple of cocktails down, and um, so we all went off and we had a lovely celebration. But it didn't really seem real until the announcement um, came out um, at New Year. So since then, we've had some Prosecco in car, which mm-hmm. is wonderful, always a good excuse. Um, and hopefully there'll be a whole series of uh, celebrations going forward. The actual investiture is in April, so uh, that feels like a really good time for a, for a party. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be more celebrations between now and then as well. Great. Yeah, I think it'll be yeah, such an amazing experience. And you said that you can take take three people to, to come with you. Yep, it's at Buckingham Palace and, and you get you get to take three guests. So um, my husband and my two sons are lined up for that at the moment. And if, <laughs> if one of them can't make it, then, then a wife will be a substitute. <laughs> okay, so... We tend to end our interviews by talking about cake. <laughs> so um, our last question then is, what's your favourite memory 
involving cake. Cake is just a key factor in life, isn't it, really? Um, I think my favourite memory is an example of how I've winged it um, over the years, particularly in relation to um, being a mum and uh, um, and my lack of lack of talent as domestic goddess of a housewife. <laughs> so I remember very clearly Alex, the elder son, um, I had a birthday. It must have been about his fifth birthday, I think. And I was careering home from work with the prospect of several five-year-olds coming to a birthday party having not made a cake um, and uh, thought that a homemade cake was really of the essence and I had to do that to prove that I was an all right mum. I had lots of those guilt things <laughs> going on. So I cobbled um, a hedgehog cake, but it was technically a disaster. Um, I made a, a sponge, tried to cut it in the shape of a hedgehog because it's a relatively simple shape, covered it with icing, but the only colour um, I had available to colour the icing was blue. Um, and I blue had hedgehog. some uh, some of the yeah blue hedgehog, and I had some of those matchmakers at home that, yeah. that I could stick on the outside. But I I ate half of those in the stress of <laughs> making the cake, and some had melted. Anyway, I produced this with chocolate buttons and and uh, melted matchsticks, not very many, and um, blue cake. And the kids all burst in through the door and absolutely loved it. And I remember thinking, do you know what? Um, it's the effort that counts and that maybe it's okay not to be a domestic goddess and hey, yeah, maybe appearances of cake don't matter either. So. Brilliant. Okay. Well, Nikki, thank you ever so much for talking with us and congratulations again on the OBE. Thank you so much. That was Professor Nicola Rumsey talking with Nadia. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Appearance Matters, the podcast. Remember, we would love it if you could rate us or leave us a review on iTunes. And join us next time for episode five, where we will be talking about the psychological impact of visible difference. A big thank you again to Professor Nicola Rumsey and to the Appearance Matters conference sponsors, the Healing Foundation, the University of the West of England and the Dove Self-Esteem Project. Also to David Inthacow for our cool theme music.